0: o'clock on a Monday, you know what that means. It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. There's my audience. (laughs) This week starred special guest star, Mr. Sean Hurwitz. Yay! (laughs) Everybody laughs at our theme song. Well because impressive hey how you doing? (laughs) So Sean's like the best friend that I've never had, uh, our relationship really exists on those, um,
1: he's on the road a lot and we met several months ago because uh, only happens when I have guests <laughs> anyway hopefully that won't keep going on
0: um Anyway, uh, let me get the chat room open to say hello to you guys. There you are. Um, So I go uh, flying uh, remote control airplanes and drones on the weekends, and Sean is friends with friends of mine, and we met there, and uh, we had a bromance going on our phones. So uh, he's home. For a change. For a moment. <laughs> yes. For a moment. Um, and uh, as I told you in the email that went out, he uh, is on the road a lot, uh, currently touring with Enrique Iglesias and uh, has worked with Smash Mouth and Gin Blossoms and Anna Nalek and a host of others. And uh, he's, he's a gunslinger. That's what he is. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but we've never done a show like this, so I'm really excited to have you here. It's, uh, thank you. Thank you for yeah, having Yeah, we're always like doing film and TV stuff, and uh, we've never done like the life of a guy on the road. That uh, you got a good business head, and I can see, you know, just from our conversations online that yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he's well, playing the angles in a good way. So, uh, welcome to all of you guys. Hello, Mark and Kano, Mary Band, Danny Weber, Kenda Potter, Linda Cullum. Mojo, Dean Turner, all of you guys, uh, welcome. Um, so, what shall we do first? Oh, yeah, I have questions. And, uh Come prepared, I like it. I did, yeah, look at that. Oh, yes, it says, hold up signs. Remember, for those of you watching the archive, make sure you subscribe, make sure you like us. <laughs> you know the drill. Um so, you didn't grow up here in the United States entirely, right? Uh, where did you...
2: Uh, uh, well, not at all, actually. So, my parents... <laughs> um, should I look there or uh, should
0: you, I look at... You, okay, you, gotcha.
2: you can look at them so, sometimes. <laughs> um, as some of you may or may not know, if you follow me at all... Um, I'm I'm from Israel, born and raised. My parents are from New York, though. They made aliyah in seventy-eight.
0: For those of you who don't know what that means, that means yeah. American Jews who went to Israel to live there and become citizens.
2: Well, I, in really, it just means any Jews that come from
0: and uh, yes, outside outside of Israel <laughs> and um, and move there. Right, immigrate there. And so you were born in what part of Israel?
1: I was born in Rehovot. Uh, have you ever been there? <laughs> uh, so weird i've yeah. not had this happen in months um hopefully
0: you guys uh my screen has gone black here a couple times and you guys are used to it on your end so hopefully uh all right i see some people saying uh, you're getting some blackness yeah. on your end but uh as always i'm recording it so if we get a lot of this weirdness today you can watch it uh after the fact um awesome. okay so uh did you come from a musical family i did
2: um both parents played guitar. My father, my, my mother is the uh, biochemist researcher, and my father was always more of the artsy hippie kind of guy. And um, uh, both played guitar, and uh, and that's it. That's uh, he he originally is the guy that taught me my first few chords.
0: Wow. Yeah. Um, so they must be proud because most parents don't want their kids to go into music business. Anymore. I hope so. Not only did
2: I go into the music business, I, they, they went to Israel to have a family, and I left. <laughs> I <hope laughs> so you you left. So, uh, you know, I, I hope they're proud. I hope they're proud. Sure I, they I left when I was 23.
0: Oh, okay. So that was like two years ago. Got exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so at what point did you know that music was going to be your life? and Was it as a child? or? I was probably
2: 13 when I decided that music, some sort, a form of music was going to be my life. I, it th- didn't mean necessarily that I'm, I, I needed to play guitar on the biggest stages in the world. It just meant that I wanted to be surrounded by music. I knew that bell meets my time, I, you know, when I was 13.
0: <laughs> yeah. Translation, right, when he was yeah, 13. Um, so who were some of your favorite artists growing up?
1: Um,
2: Clapton. Yeah? We spoke oh. about him before, Clapton. And okay. I got that more from my father. He kind of introduced me to Clapton and... Uh, uh, bon Jovi. I, mean, I was just listening to them, to them today. Um, Who's so, so many Israeli artists though that I oh. no one would necessarily know. But I mean, growing up, um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, it's pointless to mention that. I don't think you have enough listeners in Israel just yet. But uh, uh, we
0: actually believe it or not, really? we probably got and five taxi members that are uh, living I in like Israel it, at like any it. moment in time. <laughs> uh, it's funny because my wife, for those of you who don't know, speaks fluent Hebrew, so at the road rally, uh, my wife will hear somebody speaking Hebrew from like 300 feet away. Boom! she's right on I'm, it. I'm, and, I'm and, that yeah. guy
2: in the airports. So I can tell who's Israeli and just, psh, yeah. just go for it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I so I grew up, I mean, machina and portrait and nor shulaim and man, so, so many different bands that I listen to uh, kind of in the pop genre but but in pop and rock but in Israel
0: It's funny, Israel having as great as many great musical artists as I'm now aware of Uh, I've got a daughter that lives there and my wife lived there for half a dozen years I think so I'm brought into the fold on Israeli artists, and even though I don't understand a word they're saying, I can appreciate the music.
1: <laughs> yeah, no,
2: they, I mean, they, they do some very, very creative things. One of my favorite bands, a band that I worked with as a, as a backliner, which is what it's known in Israel, it, basically a stage tech, I worked with a band called Hadag Nachash. Do you know them?
0: No. If I did, I wouldn't. I, I can't pronounce the name, all, so I don't all remember. It.
2: It, anyway, Hadag Nachash <laughs> is like one of the biggest... Hip hop bands. I mean, they've been big for probably about 20 years now, 17 years or so. And uh, I was their stage tech forever, and I love those guys, and they're all friends. And um, and I still love that. They're so creative, so just a big bunch of creative people, all of them.
0: It's funny because so many people associate the Middle East in general and Israel specifically with with Middle Eastern sounding music, uh, which I don't think a lot of the world is aware that they have hip hop and they have rock and you know indie pop and stuff. It's all infused with the Middle East flavor, but you know it, it's not some it, it's not the desert with a bunch of camels. No,
2: no, no. no. <laughs>
0: it's very there are type. there are
2: some camels, just to be clear, there are some camels there, but <laughs> but they're not making any music. No.
0: That's true. <laughs> um, so. You were okay, so you came to the U.S. What was your mission? The day you decided to leave there and come here, did you have a specific mission and a goal in mind? Um, I'll answer that with a, a little story. My goal
2: from probably when I was fifteen, sixteen, I kind of knew that I wanted to do the music thing, and that I would I would eventually, I would probably end up leaving Israel. Not because the musicians they're great; it's just. Mm-hmm this tiny it's it's just such a small the whole country is the size of New Jersey it's just just so small so opportunities are not um, all around you know or they are all around but the the competition is just fierce because there's just so many people in such a small country Um, I as a result of being born to American citizens who American parents who then made sure that all the kids had American citizenships Uh, have an American citizenship, so I've got both Israeli and American citizenship, and I always knew that I wanted to, well I always knew probably around 16, 17, I knew that I would, at a certain point I would give it a shot. Mm -hmm. I would move to America. That's all I knew. Uh, And as I told you, so 16, 17, but I moved when I was 23, so the whole way, all those years, six six or so, six, seven years uh, in between, I just didn't feel ready. I just Musical I or musically, or emotionally? mentally, I'm like going from Israel to America. I mean, America. Do you been know been how big a, America is?
0: You hadn't been here as a tourist with your parents? I had
2: it? been here as a tourist, and it was pretty, uh, it's a big place. But I hadn't <laughs> been to LA. I'd only been to New York and well, that's places down there. But um, it really was intimidating. I didn't see myself as ready. I'm not, I'm not just there, I'm not there just yet. Maybe I just need to practice a little more. I'll be there, but I'm not there just yet. And then, when I was 23, mid-2003, uh, I believe, there was a uh, one... Uh, we were in the middle of what was known back then, as, uh, or still known as the Second Armada, uh, which is just basically clashes between... A lot of terrorist clashes between... Palestinians and Israelis. That's, you know, without getting into the politics of that, that's what it was. It was the second time that happened for a long, extended period of time. And I was driving down Jerusalem to meet some friends, and nothing happened in Jerusalem that night, but it was back then when buses were blowing up left and right. And it just so happened to be that as I was driving down to Jerusalem, uh, a place in, called Mike's Place, a bar called Mike's Place in Tel Aviv, um, which a lot of friends played there, and I'd been there before, and it just... It, well, anyway, a guy blew up there and killed a lot of people. He he didn't actually make it in because of the... Uh, security at the door. Yeah, the security at the door did their job, and unfortunately, I'm pretty sure the guy lost his life, but he did it. He, he saved a lot of people because if you blow up anything in, in closed quarters, it's just so much more havoc so if it was done outside he he saved a lot of lives but I was listening to all this happen in real time and I just thought to myself you know I'm driving downtown to meet some friends and I'm thinking to myself dude you got to get out of here like yeah you got to get out of here at least at least give it a shot before some some you know a week from now you're playing somewhere and your arm gets blown off and then you'll never know could I have made it Maybe I could have played with Enrique Iglesias around the world. I mean, who or knows? Or you could be a drummer. Yeah, I, I could. Well, there is a market for <laughs> yeah, one-armed drummers. That's true. That's a very, very specific niche. But that's
0: right. But the, the,
2: the point is that I was like, dude, you know what? Ready or not, here I come. I, I have to give it a shot. I have to it. And then, you know what? I have a great career going for me in Israel. I was a, I had studied two years of sound engineering, and uh, I was working in live sound engineering I was working in studio I was working I was I had a great career going on in Israel and and up and left yeah yeah and I I told all my friends and I I sold all my gear and I told the bands that I was where I was working with a bunch of bands back then playing and working for and I just said listen I gotta I gotta go give this a shot and um Oh, you sold the gear. Year. That's and... a
0: pretty definitive move. Well, I said... had to. And I need the money. Right. <laughs> and so, what did you do
2: for a gig when you got here? I, um, I. This is what I did. I'll tell you what I did. And anyone that talks to me and says, "Hey, I'm thinking about coming to LA," I tell them this is what you need to do. You can't be uh, to use a, a Jewish word here, futzing around. Right? right. You can't. You can't just come in and be like, "Ah, oh, you know, I'll go check things out." LA will eat you alive. Will eat you up alive if you don't come in and just go for it. So I landed at eleven o'clock, and I had gone to, I had known one family of uh, some friends. I had uh, dated their daughter in Israel. They were Israelis that happened to be on vacation with their American daughter. So they lived here in LA, but they're on vacation, and I met her there. And I kind of followed her. I said, Hey, listen, I'm going to be coming to LA. Is there any chance I could be, I could, I could crash with you for a few days? And that's it. But the day that I came, I, uh, I, I got to their place, took a shower, ate something, and said, okay. I said to the mother, uh, Leah, I said, where can I get some kind of um, paper where I can find a car, a place to live, and a job? That's what I'm looking for right and now.
0: This is why you're on Taxi TV today. Because <laughs> it's this part of your yeah. personality that fascinates me. A lot of musicians are all about the... I've got to satisfy myself with art which is fine I encourage people to they should feel um, like they're achieving their musical goals but you from the little I've known you in person but from everything that I've learned about you <laughs> on the phone is you get the business side so yeah you have to take it that's the
2: biggest thing that is lost on amazing artists and some crappy artists as well but the, 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 the entire Every musician has to know that if you want to or I'll say this to the camera if you're a musician in any kind of way and you actually want to make a living from it, it needs to be your business. So you have to learn
1: how to make it for the most part some people succeed in doing it, but you can't just do one thing you can't just be great at guitar. you can't just be great.
2: If you want to really make it happen. Mm-hmm. For the most part, again, there are exceptions, but if you really want to make it happen, you you need to know how to run it as a business. Yeah, that's it. That's all there is to it. I mean, we we're
0: just talking about yeah. it before this. and This is why we do taxi yeah. TV. It's you know not about high production values, as you can tell, uh, but it is about getting content, really good content, out there and inspiring people and teaching them that there's this whole like holistic. Thing that musicians need to do nowadays, yes, especially nowadays, more so than yeah, in the past. Yeah, it's very uh,
2: <laughs> there's a lot of competition out there.
0: So, uh, do you remember you played like a real gig to more than you know a handful of people, um, and was
1: that yeah, like
0: yeah. a flashpoint for you? Um, thinking on the name of the artist,
2: but it was at Canyon Club. Oh! Here in LA. It's like two minutes from our house. Yeah, and we were opening for Dishwala. Okay. Uh, I don't remember her name, but I was a hired gun, which is my bread and butter. <laughs> and um, I played with a guitarist called Ricky Z, which is actually quite big in LA. He's a session guy, and uh, I remember him because I was like, wow, I'm on stage with Ricky Z. That's impressive. <laughs> um, and yeah, that, that was the first one that I can remember. That pops into my mind. How many
0: years ago was that? Give or take. I
2: mean, that was... I, I've been here since 2000... That was probably 2004, mid-2004, okay. or 2005. Yeah. I could have been in the audience. It's, Deb and a, I actually go to the Canyon yeah, Club.
0: That's possible. That's <laughs> funny. Uh, we literally live um, a mile and a half from there.
2: Yeah, it's a great place. I mean, I've seen other shows there.
0: Yeah, great sound, um, comfortable, uh, good french fries. Yeah. <laughs> So, was was that like a, a moment uh, where you had an epiphany and went, this feels good, this feels right, I'm, you know, I need to do more of this and, and amp it up and do it on a bigger level? Are um, you still interested in studio stuff? No, no, no. Writing? Wait. When I came to America,
1: the idea was this. I can always lean on the studio stuff. I know how to do that. I can always... O- Um, no. uh, the idea was that
2: uh, if I hadn't made it to become a full-time musician by the time I was 30 or 33, I wanted to be uh, in a great position in a in a in a job. I didn't want to be 33 or 30 and be like, "Well, that didn't work out. What do I do now?" No, no, no. It's Again, it's a business. I'm here to do business. So if that if that uh, strategy didn't work, I had other contingencies. So very
0: businesslike. Play. Yeah, have, very, very. Most musicians. I don't want to incriminate <laughs> everybody, but I, I know, you know, I've been in the business for longer than you've been alive. Sadly, <laughs> I mean, seriously, I've been in the industry it's for it, more yeah. than forty years now, right. and uh, so many people I know have broken my heart because of, basically they're hanging out waiting for it to happen. Yeah, they they don't. Grab it by the nape of the neck and yeah, go for yeah. it. You know,
2: there it, it, there are a lot of things that need to come together for for success in the music industry, and that's a very broad term. But but there are a lot of things that need to come together. Some of them you're just you are waiting for the you are waiting for the call. Yeah, but listen, there's a lot of things to do to till you get that call. Well, what and are a lot of things to do to make that call happen? What are those things? Um, to keep it. Very short and sweet. Um, it's all right. We've got time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a lot of stories. Um, That's what we're here for. The answer is, um, and I mean this in in the nicest way, not in an LA fake way, but networking. It really is about networking. And and to take away from how cold that might sound, it's not necessarily. You don't necessarily network with people that you want. You want them to do something for you. How about networking with people that you might be able to do something for them? Right. How's that as a concept? Yeah, but the point is networking, oh, yeah. it's very important. So when I came here, the idea was not not necessarily in a order, but I needed, I needed a place to live, I needed a car. Uh, I was told L.A. was very big, and I would need a car.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I needed a job. Once those three things happened, I, I think I got a I, I got a rental car and a car. I got a rental car, and the next day, I got um, uh, I bought a car within a week. I bought a I found a place to move into um, a week and a half later with an Israeli, um, an Israeli. I, I was reading some classifieds in an Israeli magazine and I, I found a, an Israeli guy that was looking for a roommate. Moved in with him, and uh, and it took me a hard month. I was looking every day, but I finally I got a job at Guitar Center in Sherman Oaks,
0: which is the flashpoint for many a career. It's,
2: it was perfect. Yeah, oh, who could have asked for more? I needed gear. For cheap, Yeah. Cheaper. Everything's expensive in Israel. I couldn't believe how cheap gear is here, but I got it for cheaper than that. It's a place where I could learn about the American culture, which was super, super important to me. I needed that very much. Uh, coming from an Israel Israeli culture, I needed to learn how to talk to people, what to not say, what to say. That helped me out a lot, because I was on a sales floor for... I was in the guitar center for three and a half years, but I was on a sales floor for eight months, during which I needed to... Uh, sell a lot and talk a lot and connect with people, mm-hmm. and ask a lot of questions. Part of sales, and um, I learned a lot from that. Uh, with things that will uh, that I'll have for the rest of my life. It was just really important to learn how the American culture uh, works, how American. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Guitar Center is a corporation. How, corpora- how corporate America works, that was another very important thing that I needed to know. Uh, yeah, and okay. that's it. I don't remember. Do you, you remember
0: if a guy named Ray Sher was still the owner of Guitar Center? or, or I, had I, I, I Your Your daughter told me
2: that you knew the, the yeah, owner he, back then. Yeah, he's I don't, actually
0: a good friend of mine. I don't know
2: who was the owner back then. He may
0: have America. sold it already by then, but he would be very happy. The reason he just popped into my head oh, yeah. is I met him 15 years ago or so, uh, and hanging out at his house and it's like Steve Vai came over uh, and we were hanging out, you know, drinking brandy in a room filled with millions of dollars worth of guitar. And uh, he said to me at the end of the night, he said that one of the things that he found most satisfying about being the owner of Guitar Center was watching musicians become business people. He said, I never want them to let go of what uh, of their musicianship. But yeah. watching them learn how to be responsible and accountable and communicate with other people and become salespeople. He said, that to me was exciting. Well, it and worked, it yeah, worked, it, absolutely, 100%. So I'll have to I, I give need, him a link to this episode and yeah, let him see the, the product the, of his. Um, his.
2: It, one of, one, and I learned something, this was a Guitar Center value, it was one of the core values, but I learned it, I I, I, contribu- I attributed to, or the, me learning it to uh, Jason Crane, which at the time was a manager, um, I always thought he was very. I, I really admired him for a lot of different reasons. He had. Uh, he was really good at what he did. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just great at it. Some people really didn't like his style. His style. Some people loved it. I was one of the guys that loved it. But one of the things that I learned from him was whatever it takes. And I don't know if your friend, the, the co, the owner back then, came up with him. that was one of his core values. But um, that is to this day, even before. But then someone put. Uh, uh, words to it, whatever it takes that's what I do that's that's my, yes it's business and there's a lot of other things and it's hopefully some talent and uh, you know uh, but but whatever it takes that's, uh, that's what brought me to where I am today
0: I, and, and networking
2: my whole career has been
0: built on whatever it takes because that's the way I got trained at Criteria Studios in 1974 was always do the right thing and do whatever it takes
2: Yes, and and to you and others, and and that's. So again, you see, it became a long answer, but the okay. answer to your, to your uh, question was networking, yeah. and it's it's not just about what you what people can do for you and going after people so they can get your stuff placed and 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 get you on a stage and give you money. It's uh, absolutely you should be asking what I, what I can do for other people, but. Um, it really is I, everything. Everything that I have so far in my life, I can I can uh, say that I got because I connected with some wonderful people. I can say them by name, and I'm sure I would forget other people. But I, I can say who got me the Smash Mouth gig, and I can say who got me the uh, Enrique gig, or who put my name in there and got me that opportunity to uh, shine. And
0: um, wow, yeah, but but, it, you know that's the kind of gig every musician who ever wanted to be on the stage dreams about. And you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've had several of them. Um, and, and just to let you guys know, going back to Israel for a minute, um, I've been there several times. Um, so many of my American friends, even American Jewish friends, worry that, oh, I'm going to Israel. It's going be very dangerous. I have always said it's riskier and feels more dangerous to me to be in the parking lot of the Staples Center going <laughs> to a show than it is in like 98% of the places I've been in Israel. Uh, Interesting.
2: Uh, I haven't uh, gone to too many shows in Staples. I went to one you, show. You've always
0: been on the inside. I, not always, I, play,
2: I went to one show there yeah. to see Bon Jovi, the first time I ever saw them, and uh, and then I performed there a month ago or so with, yeah. with Enrique. Right. Uh, that, that was only two times I've been to Staples.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, you didn't see the parking lot on the second show. No. <laughs> I did not. Um, it, yeah, I, I've always felt very safe there. Uh, the, it's not what people imagine it to be and it's a wonderful country. Can't say enough good stuff about it. Seriously. Mm-hmm. I, I've never met anybody that went there and didn't love it and want to go back. It's well, especially your daughter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> she definitely loves it. Um, quick funny story. Uh, uh Some of you know my daughter, Hannah, who's a singer-songwriter. She's been on Taxi TV a couple times years ago. Uh, And she moved to Israel uh, three and a half years ago, I think, um, and served in the Israeli Defense Forces. And she's out now anyway this summer. She wanted to do something fun. She's in college, and she wanted to do something fun. And so she's working at a... uh, a summer camp, a sleepaway camp in the mountains of Pennsylvania somewhere. We barely got any contact with her because there's like no cell yeah, service. But she uh, sent us a message last night on WhatsApp saying that uh, a bunch of kids from Israel came to the camp. Oh. And she <laughs> they took them to Walmart and she said <laughs> they freaked out. Oh Look. yeah, their eyes. <laughs> yeah, uh, they they've never seen anything like Walmart. I remember the
2: first time I walked into Fry's, uh, <laughs> the, the, the electronics store. <laughs> I, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> you you don't have more than three options for computers in Israel or back then. I Israel now is a right. high-tech Mecca, but but for me as as a guy that doesn't have a lot of money and I'm 16-17, here you walk in 16-17, you could have a few hundred bucks and you you only have 50 computers to choose from. <laughs> it's
0: insane. Uh, okay, so I talked about uh how let's see oh how did you get that first gig Um, what was the first gig what was the first gig what was your first like major touring playing big stages gig I feel
2: like my first artist that I played for and it wasn't a big thing because it was actually a promo run okay um, was Anna Nellick okay Um, Randy Cook called me Randy Cook is an amazing uh, drummer and a dear friend Um, Amazing drummer, amazing successful drummer, I should say, he's he's on so many CDs and albums and and tours the world as well, and actually now he was with Smash Mouth, now he's back with Smash Mouth, but prior to Smash Mouth, one of the things that he did was um, he had, uh, um, I forget his name, her, her Tim, uh, I believe, reached out to Randy and said, hey, do you have any guitarists? I need to audition, we need to do this promo run for the second album. And he put my name in and I went, I had two hours to learn a couple of songs and I uh, borrowed someone's guitar cause I didn't have an acoustic where I was. And I went to the audition and I got the gig. And that was, that was my first, I think that was my first like official, uh, wow, I've heard this artist on the radio a lot. I actually just did a cover of that song. Uh, a month ago now
0: you're playing for
2: real with, with Ron Harris <laughs> oh you're kidding yeah with a friend, a mutual friend of ours um, <laughs> and I was like this is surreal anyway yeah so that was the first one wow and, uh, and sa- same guy got me into Smash Mouth years later
0: the audition process I actually have notes uh, mm-hmm. oh I've, I'm on that page right now so <laughs> uh, okay so how much of it no backtracking you get the call from a mutual friend, or I, we both know uh, whose name uh, escapes me right now. But the guy uh, who used to work here doing A and R uh, also books a lot of art or a lot of players for tours and stuff. Mm-hmm. You get that call. You show up for the audition. What is that like? You walk into a room, shake a hand, and then what? Every audition is different. Okay. Um,
2: I, I'll try to keep it short. Uh, Anna and Alec was me walking into uh, her MDs. Living music director, a uh, music director, yes. Her MD's uh, living room, and uh, hi, Anna, nice to meet you. Tim. Okay, here's what we're going to play. Um, it's just very, very up close in person. Uh, you have cattle, what's known as cattle calls here in, uh, in LA where you just have Hundreds of musicians audition for days on end, or or maybe it's a, just an audition for a guitarist, and you walk in and there's thirty other guitarists there auditioning that day. It's just they bring in everyone. It's very um, impersonal. It's it's not personal at all. It's you feel like you just go in, do something. They're just they, they, it's very hard to get a reading on how you did. Interesting. Um, and and you obviously have a lot of competition um, for whatever that's worth when you walk into those situations. Uh, sometimes the artist is there, sometimes they're not. Maybe you get a callback and the artist is there for the second uh, round of auditions. I would think that back.
0: that would be the case more often than not. As I was writing my questions in prep for the show, I was thinking, got to be a callback situation most of the time. I can't see a major star like Enrique Iglesias hanging out in a room listening to 45 guitar players one day.
2: No, well, it's, we didn't even get that far. So, so uh, I mean, Enrique was a comp- I'll tell you about that in a second, all so, right, yeah. so the, the next one in line would be Smash Mouth where I got the call like, hey, um, Greg Camp, uh, the, the original uh, guitarist, the guy that wrote all the songs and a really wonderful, wonderful guy, great musician, who I've had the honor and pleasure of working with since. Um, he left, uh, There's just there's been some of this and uh, we got to go to Iraq and Kuwait in about six days for a two-and-a-half-week tour for the troops. Wow. Um, are you available? That was Randy. My buddy Randy Cook called me. He was like, hey, dude, are you available for these dates? And I was like, yes. Even though I wasn't available, but I was like, <laughs> Randy calls. I'm available. So Randy, if you need me, I'm available. Um, and uh, he, uh, he said, yeah, management will contact you. And they hit me up, and they said, uh, can you do this? I said, yes. And that was it. There wasn't any audition.
0: Because he already knew your skill
2: set. He knew my skill set. He knew I could do it. And the fourth day, I got into a room with him over everything just to make sure... Um, that I had all the ins and outs, the endings and beginnings is usually the things that.
0: That's my next question is you could know a song from the radio, but that's going to be different than the stage version in, in many oh, cases. I, or... Well, I
2: could tell you. I could, uh... I, I'll tell you about that. I'll get back to that in a yeah. second. But the point is, my, the fourth day, remind me. Okay. Uh, how did it go with Smash Mouth? Re, um The fourth day, so three days, I spent about 22 hours a day. Uh, the fourth day, I ran a rehearsal with him. And I ran before the rehearsal with him. I was at a at a place working on my. I had a camera up. I, I was recording myself performing everything. And then I went to rehearse with him, and then went back to the rehearsal spot and worked on everything again. Fifth day, I was off to uh, I was off to San Fran or San Jose. I don't remember which airport to meet up with the guys and back in Kuwait for the troops. Um, that was it. There was no audition. Um, oh, I'm sorry. The the day that, the fifth day I went in, there were about 23 songs. I think we got through five, five of them. We, we went for a rehearsal with the band. I I got through about five or six of them and the bass player was like, dude, you're great. I love you. Paul, I love Paul. That guy is just an amazing guy. And,
1: uh, he, Anyway, uh, I'm glad so, I got you watching for me.
2: So that's um, that's what happened with uh, with Smashmouth, and I can get I'll tell you exactly the business sense of uh, where that comes into play with Smashmouth. Okay. But uh, just to stay on point, uh, the process with Enrique was the uh, the gentleman that was there doing the job for eight years prior to me was leaving, and uh, I I had reached out doesn't matter uh someone had put my name in as one of the as a possibility for a guitarist i think they were looking at four or five guys and um the musical director the md hit me up and said listen i I can see obviously you uh you can play you look great on stage all stuff that he saw i'm sure on my website and youtube which we can talk about as far as the business goes right everything was there for a reason it wasn't there by mistake right um But um, he said, look, I know you can play electric, I know you can play acoustic, I see you look good on stage, I think you'd be a good fit, Um, can you play nylon string? Because it's, can you play classical guitar, Uh, not classical style, but nylon string? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Um, Because again, it's Latin, it's not... Full-on flamenco. I'm not a flamenco player. I'm not a classical player.
0: But it sounds like it. It's yeah, in yeah, that but, style. But it's, yeah. But
2: but uh, it's but but it's it's uh, pop, and they use nylon strings sometimes. Mm-hmm. So classical guitars. So I said yes, absolutely. So he's like, okay, I'm gonna send you a. Uh, I'm gonna send you the song, ba- uh, Bailamos. And do you know that song? Bailamos. Anyway.
0: Apparently, my wife does because she is <laughs> <was> very excited. <laughs> well, it was a big song.
2: So, uh, so they sent me uh, Bailamos and. Um, I, they sent me the uh, a version, a live version of it, and right. and recorded. They had they had the, the the whole version without the guitars that I was supposed to play. They had wow. only, only soloed the guitars that I was supposed to play. They had the full version with all the guitars.
0: So they really Basically, had it together. Yeah,
2: right? yeah. They have they had recordings. They still have recordings, and uh, it was my job to just pick it up and learn all the parts and uh, play it and recorded video, and that was my audition. So I just. I didn't even play live like I am right now. I I, um, I just uh, recorded it to my laptop and sent them a video of me playing in my studio just NS10s blasting uh, blasting Balamos and me playing...
0: And that got you the gig? Uh,
2: that and these good looks. <laughs> now, um, <laughs> well, you know what, let's talk no. about
0: looks for a second because that's on my list of questions. Um, I would imagine that um, Let's face it: age and your attractiveness and your body type and that stuff. Sadly, it's Hollywood. You know, it's like being an actor and you're being typecast. You've got to look like you match the other members of the band. I would imagine.
2: Yeah, I mean, if that's the if that's one of the bands, like, uh, okay, we want every person to have a completely different uh, uh, a sense of fashion and personality. And no, but uh, yeah, you, you definitely have to fit in.
0: I remember working uh, with a famous female artist way back in the day, and she said, "You'll never see me on stage with a more attractive background singer." <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely there's something to it. and yeah but let me tell you, I Enrique, you know, with all due respect to everyone on stage, he's dude's a good looking guy. I mean, I, I don't know if he's a very, very good looking guy. yeah. So it's it's a, you can't you can't it's very hard to look better than him. He's great great physique. The guy's just tall. I mean he he's a great performer. Runs around on stage. Gets jumps into the crowd. I mean he's he's a stage. I don't know if I know anyone that could take that away from him on on his stage. He's he's just he's got that on lock.
0: Have you ever seen Rick Springfield live? I haven't, no. If you ever get a chance, he makes Bruce Springsteen look like he's boring.
1: Wow, wow. I I, (laughs) I saw him at the Roxy one night, and I went with an industry... He, he climbed on top of the monitors yeah. and jumped like a superhero. I He's mean, the I don't know. Let's see. Um,
0: I mean, they they get buffering issues all the time. So for, uh,
2: on their end, sometimes not just yeah. Not just um, but
0: anyway. that's weird. I rarely get this anyway. Uh, let me know if it's problematic and I should restart. Uh, anyway. Uh, he played a solo midair. Like like the the lead to Jesse's girl was happening <laughs> as he was falling from the really? sky. It was really something to be old. Wow. Um, okay, uh, let's see. So Oh,
2: if, you know what? Let me let me yeah. answer something you had asked. Um,
0: the radio versus live thing or no?
2: No. The um, Yes, radio versus live, when you're playing the stuff. With Smash Mouth, uh, Randy gave me a bunch of... It was literally, I was watching YouTube links. For for 22 hours a day, what I did was this. I had the set list, 23 songs. I would go song one, play the album. Okay, cool. Now, play the live version, which was literally some guy with a camera at Mm. one of the shows on YouTube. I downloaded everything. I had all the MP3s. I had all the things, and I was basically listening. Okay, well, they play this, of half a step down. Very important right. as a musician. You don't want to go and be playing in the wrong key. <laughs> so they're playing this half step down, and I can see, even though the stage is very far, I can see the guy is playing uh, chords that are open. So I, the guitar is tuned half step down. So I know that some of the songs I did in standard tuning, some of the songs were half step, some of the songs were half step down. But the point is, I would I would familiarize myself with the song, and uh, 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 studio version, and then I would listen to it live, and pick out all the parts that Greg was actually playing because there's a lot of guitars on, on the song. You can so you'll go. even
0: go for like chord inversions and stuff like that, I mean, and voicings that everything that I can do. My my goal with Smash Mouth as
2: with Enrique, as with the next gig and the one after that and and any gig, my goal when I get on stage as a businessman, as a professional musician, I'm not there to show my brand. I'm not there to show off Sean Hurwitz. What I'm there to do is a job. Uh, What I'm there to do is, in some cases, um, take what the producer was trying to do on the album And bring that to the stage, if that's what they're doing live. So I'm talking about how much delay is there.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. What what level is the delay? How much feedback is it? Where is the cutoff point? How much verb if there isn't? Is that a phaser or a chorus? No, I think it's a flanger, but really low mix, probably about 20% of the mix.
0: Those, all of that, I... So they don't give you notes. you got to well, figure it out. No, you got to figure that out. And you And create your own notes. With,
2: with, with Smash Mouth, there weren't any notes other than stuff that I had asked the drummer, but what is he going to necessarily know about that? You know, he helped me with, a lot with other stuff. With, uh, with Enrique, I definitely had um, Carlos, uh, the MD, and his producer for probably 15 years now. Um, he's been with him for that long. He knows... The whole show in and out, and Enrique is a dear friend to him. So, I mean, he kind of coached me. He gave me all this stuff, and then I would. um, I think this is one of the things that he liked. He actually told me later. uh, One of the things that he liked was that he sent me all this material, and I said, Okay, what I need to know here, what I need to know here. Okay, great. I'd learn all of that. And then, uh, so I knew all the parts. And then I come to him and say, Okay, I know all the parts and I know what guitars I'm oh. using, and I know what sound you're looking for, and all of that, great. So now, what parts am I singing, right? There's there's a mic on stage. Oh, yeah. I, I've been watching live shows, there is a mic on stage, and dude is singing into it. Is it live, or is it fake? Memorex. <laughs> is, it, is, is the mic on, or is it just there for looks? No, the mic's on. Okay, great. What do I need to sing? How did they know you could
0: sing, if that were, you know... Oh, I mean, they knew, it,
2: They knew because I, I did with Smash Mouth as oh, well, okay. and... and uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he saw me sing with Smash Mouth before he ever got um, the call. Got it. Yeah, and uh, and then once I was done singing, I had the music down. I had the the vocals down. I knew what harmonies and where.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, now what's the choreography, or where do I need to be on stage? Like, are there specific songs where I need to be in a specific place? What. What he liked about that was the attention to details, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things the gentleman, Eddie Kaipo, the uh, sound engineer that put my name in that for that gig. One of the things that he that met me with Smash Mouth, he was with Smash Mouth when I joined Smash Mouth. One of the things that Eddie likes about me is the, the attention to detail. Because again, so let's get back to it, I'm there to do a job. Mm-hmm. That's it. I'm not there to show Sean Hurwitz off. I have a website for that. I have this for that. I have, a, But on stage, I'm there to play a part. It doesn't matter what I want to play. I need to play what needs to be played. So that's the thing with Smash Mouth. I went song by song and found out what needs to be played and practiced that. And then I went to the next
0: one, what needs to be played and practiced that. How do you store all that stuff? Because you've got an album's worth of production Honestly, that you have to store in your brain. That part, you know what?
2: I'd say that is a skill that you learn with time.
0: And see, I thought the wristband was crib notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you pop that sucker open. And <laughs> I do that. Sometimes if
2: I have a quick acoustic set with someone and I'm like, oh, I don't, I'm, I'm not even going to. The, the songs are so close to each other chord wise, I'm not necessarily going to. I, I I don't have enough time to learn for this gig. I will sometimes play the acoustic and have little cheat sheet right on the Not top. <laughs> it has happened, but yeah, that that learning the stuff. I remember when I was in in Israel and I was working with a band. They were working in the st- I was backlining for a band. They had a guest come up for this show, so they had a rehearsal. I was at the rehearsal, and <laughs> and I was like, how does he remember that? And I went Tal Talivni, the, the drummer. I went. I said, "Dude, how do you remember that?" And I don't remember what he said. He probably said something like, "I hey, just get used to it, or whatever." And I know what he means now. You you definitely find ways to remember. I'll I'll think, oh, you know what that sound that song. It started. Okay, the 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 hard part is not when you come into a song after it starts. The hard part is when you start a song. Oh and you've never played it before. You've only practiced it in your room. You're in front of 20,000 people now.
0: No rehearsal with the band before you go out? Rehearsal and
2: soundcheck, you just rehearse. There's no time. You just kind of rehearse the important things, and that's
0: it. Isn't that scary as hell? Uh, You know, an Enrique-level artist or Smash Mouth... And, um, I mean, that first sound check on your first gig, you know everybody's looking at you. Is oh, the new kid going to make it or not? Not only are they looking at you, they're also like, what was wrong with the other guy? Why did this... <laughs> right.
2: Can't he just stay? We like him. What is this new guy he's... Where, where's he from? Israel? I, we Okay, whatever. They're, they're ready for me to fail. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, with Enrique, I remember once I got the gig, one of the things that Carlos, the musical director, put together is he put a little rehearsal with me and Alex Feder, the other guitarist, and Joe Ayoub, the bass player. We went to Joe's uh, rehearsal spot, and we ran the set. Once I was ready for it, we ran the set from beginning to end so they could point out little things that I that I may have missed with Carlos, that we may not have spoken about. But the, So, yes, I did have a rehearsal with them, but a full rehearsal, full band, ears, tracks, light, uh, you don't really get that.
0: I remember you sent me a text, well, sent all of us on the on the WhatsApp group a, a text about, I don't know, three weeks ago, and that you were maybe in town, but going to rehearsals with Enrique, and I said, why? You've done all these shows at this point, and I would imagine it's pretty much the same thing every night, and he said, no, they, they change stuff. Well, that was um, about two months ago.
2: Yeah. Uh, right before we did the tour, we had um, a few days of rehearsals, and then there were many different reasons for that, technical as well as um, musical. It, they were putting together a new show. It's a new stage. It's new lighting. It's new pyro. It's new gear for the for the sound engineers. It's new gear for the uh, stage techs and and uh,
0: and so they and, even need to set up stuff oh, like lighting thing. cues and memory and audio oh, cues and the console, all that stuff.
1: They, they went know. they went into a. a so you've passed
0: the acid test as far as your playing ability and you're hitting your marks on the stage and you're not showing up the artist but you look cool going back to back with them being a guitar guy you yeah. know oh <laughs> yeah all that stuff is right what about how much does personality as far as meshing with all the guys in, in the band if if you were you don't even have to be a jerk. Just somebody who doesn't mesh well with them. It, could that end a gig? Absolutely. If, if you're doing everything great on stage, Absolutely. but on the bus, on the plane, in the hotel room, breakfast in the morning, it's like they're not feeling it. It's like bye-bye? 100%. Yes. Wow. You, and that, that doesn't mean that you
2: have to be someone else.
1: Um, no, it means I, you got to be I, yourself. I recommend
2: be a, you be yourself. And uh, if... You're right for that band, and that's going to happen. And if you're not right, it's not going to happen. There's a lot of gigs that I didn't get, because I wasn't, even though if I, I could play the part, I wasn't the right fit. Maybe I didn't look it, maybe I wasn't the right, like, uh, probably 99% of the people watching this, and that will
1: watch it, don't know this, but... I Um, not to be straight
2: edge, but I I think that's what that's called these days, but, um, I just never got into that stuff for different reasons, and, um, what do we got?
0: Um, they're asking, uh, does he read music or play by ear? Play by ear. Okay.
2: I I do read music, but that's not usually what I go for.
0: Yeah, I don't know what's happened on the video, and this, uh... It's the app on my end today, which is an extremely rare occurrence. It only happens when I have a guest here, oddly enough. Um, okay, so we got through all that stuff. Who makes the decision ultimately? Is it uh, you know, the artist? Uh, is it the musical director? Um, and the artist just implicitly trusts the MD so much that you show up? Uh, and... It's different in every band.
2: It's different in every band. Uh, some artists like to be a part of it. Some artists don't. Um, some artists like to have last uh, last word, and some people completely trust CMD, and that's it. So, uh,
0: what we haven't done yet is play some of your music, and, so. and I want to do that. Um, like I, I mentioned in the email that went out to you guys, the, Sean, I, I knew this shortly after meeting him. I think I knew it within the first ten minutes, just being around you at the airfield uh, that first time that I saw you there. I um, mean, heard you talking to our mutual friend Ron about yeah. business stuff. It's like, okay, you know, <laughs> yep. he, he likes business stuff. I get yep. that. Um, so you're multifaceted, and, and you're you're building a table with multiple legs, uh, and not just relying on this. And I'm guessing you realize you're not going to be doing this at 65 years old. Um, I mean, you, you never know. But, right, you like could that's, be. That's, I'm uh, not pl- I'm not
2: planning on it. But.
0: So. Um, he, he's had stuff in film and TV, and uh, that's why we were talking before the show. He'd like to expand that part of his career. Um, or get back
2: to it. I, I did it a lot in the past. I just haven't. Enrique's been keeping me busy, and
0: uh, I'd like to get back to it, yeah. And my goal in life after the show is to teach him how, <laughs> how to bring a you know like a, a one-octave keyboard with you on the road and a that's Mac laptop a and, yeah. and just be making... You could be sitting in an airplane seat with headphones making tracks. Which is... our DJ.
2: Fractal. That's what he did. Okay. He makes, I think um, he
0: makes a lot of money from it. So, what do you want to play? Uh, you've got your site up by the way, which is seanherwitz.com. You should go check out his stuff. Um, or or Sean H Music. You can do seanhmusic.com,
2: and you can find me on Instagram as seanhmusic, s e a n h music. music. Uh, on Twitter, as Sean H seanhmusic, and uh, yeah, and seanhmusic.com
0: or seanherwitz.com. Um. So I, You
2: know, that's a good question. I don't know what. Uh, there, there, he's had I've, stuff
0: I've on. Uh, stuff, you know. I mean, like major stuff, like American Pie, uh, which one of these? It was, America, it was I, the Book of Love. I,
2: I, I've had. With had Kardashians. Here. We were just talking about that the other day. We've had some
0: dance had moms, some, uh, many of our members have stuff on Dance Moms. Yeah. Um, Degrassi, ton of stuff there. Ooh. I didn't want to
2: put too much on this page, I just wanted to put a few basic ones. Alright, well uh, but, you um, can play that, you can play record you stuff, what whatever. There you want... Let me see real quick, there's a beautiful... Let me see, is
0: that in... The...
2: This is a song that we actually got placed, it did really well in Poland. You know it's funny. A lot, of a lot of,
0: it re, it did really I'm, well in Poland. A lot of fa- a lot of
2: fans from Poland, Enrique fans, actually um, follow me on, on Instagram, and I talk with them all the time, and we take pictures when I, when they're at the shows and stuff. This was a, I, they probably don't know this, but if they're listening to this at some point, this is a song that was a big. It was an you know the the company Orange. Yeah. So it was a big. Uh, they, they're a cell company in Europe cell phone company, um, or cell phone carrier and this was their uh, in, in their commercial, I think.
0: Ah, okay. Um, and what we'll, got it.
1: Nothing ever changed. Great place,
0: son. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Audience loved it. But it, it. This is a great example for you guys because we run listings all the time uh, for ads where they're looking for emotionally upbeat, easy, makes you feel good, will yeah. resonate well in Middle America. Yeah. Perfect example.
2: Yep. That does. I mean, that worked well. But but I also do things like uh, and resonated in Poland. You see, I think yeah, <laughs> it did. Uh, 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 this is a song I did with an Israeli guy, a friend of mine, Daniel Brechel. Used to play for a band there called Hayudim. But it's a very different style. That was more for sports. I think they would use stuff like this. Daniel, Daniel, Wrote it with him and Rick Cash and Devin website. So yeah, just a variety of uh, <laughs> a bunch of different. By the way, just just for the, for the sake of saying it, the uh, song before it starts with a melody. Uh, um, artist called Glen Bree, was still a friend of mine. Wonderful singer. And uh, wrote uh, wrote. The, I think she wrote it. Well, I know that uh, it was me and Stefan Litronic and Louis Yolin and Glenna. I think she. Yeah, I think she wrote that as well. She may have only sung that one, but I, I'm pretty sure she wrote it as well.
0: Um, is there a particular genre that you consider your home base, uh, your favorite go-to genre for writing? Or... I'm a rock
2: guy. Yeah, I like it on stage, and I like it in the in the, not not hard rock necessarily, just a good. Uh, I guess. Bon Jovi style. Anything from there to the Foo Fighters, which is my, (laughs) I wouldn't want to play with them so bad, but from there to the Foo Fighters is anything in the middle. I'm not a hard rock guy, but... Uh,
0: uh, There's a guy who used to be one of our A&R people here, and I'm totally drawing a blank on his name. I can barely remember the (laughs) names of my four daughters, but... uh, I can look it up for you I can't <laughs> even remember the band now but it's a guy you should know I'll think of it uh, his now wife I believe was my assistant for probably the first I don't know third of Taxi's existence huh. um, any, anyway he's in that kind of band uh, and he's uh, he was a hired gun that ended up and I just I'm drawing a total blank I just saw their name in one of our listings anyway uh, that's what happens when you get old. Um, okay, uh, strangest thing... Uh, oh, uh, so this is the lightning round stuff, true <laughs> or false? Um, is autotune used as much as I think it is in live situations? Uh, uh, for again, vocals? again, depends on um, the, game. the yeah, yeah, of course. It's, but, very, it's very
2: specific.
0: Um, okay, uh, strangest thing ever thrown mm-hmm. onto a stage. While you're playing a
2: gig, man, if anyone has ever heard of the Smash Mouth bread incident, and you can look it up on YouTube, unfortunately, uh, uh, that that was the weirdest bread whole situation. It had nothing to do with the band. We went to a festival where they were doing uh, it was wine and food, and there was a vendor there that was giving out free loaves of bread, and we we only found out <laughs> after the show because no one thought, hey, we might want to tell the band this, but. Um, they'd been doing that for the two days before. We were there. We were there for the third day, the third and last day, and for two days, people had just been throwing bread. It wasn't even on stage that it was so weird. What was weird was <laughs> watching it. At a certain point, there were thousands, thousands of balls of bread. They would just take them and wet them and make a ball, <laughs> thrown up in the air. It looked like upside from our perspective from the from the stage. It looked like upside down hail. It was <laughs> the weirdest thing I've ever seen. From stage.
0: I, I bet other rodents in that area loved it. They must have been in heaven. It's like mana from heaven, bread <laughs> balls falling from the sky just for us. Yep. Um, ever been uh, shocked by a microphone or a guitar yes, on stage? Yes, of course. <laughs> not not bad, but yes. Um, uh, scariest moment on stage?
2: I think scariest moment would have to be. When you know you're, st- I can't think of a specific one, but it's happened before a few times where you know you're starting this song and you cannot for the life of you remember how it starts.
0: I would be that guy every show, every song.
2: You, 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 and sometimes, I mean, it's usually the first time you're playing with this artist and it's a brand new song to you, mm-hmm. and you have to start it, and it's just like, you're, you're smiling, you're playing the part. <laughs> the other five like, yeah, guys are like, all, all
0: looking at you like, what You're thinking in front
2: of 10,000 people, wait, how does this song go again? <laughs> I've actually had to ask Jason Sutter, um... Uh, when I played with Smash Mouth, one of one of the drummers that played with Smash Mouth was Jason Sutter, and I remember one one show I went to, him and I just I was smiling, and I went, "How does this go?" And he reminded me of the beat, and I was like, "Oh right, right, okay, here we go." He just keeps smiling through it, but wow, that can be a very petrifying moment.
0: Speaking of petrifying moments in the live in the context of live. Um, I might have mentioned this last week, but uh, the Eagles' recent performance uh, in LA at Dodger Stadium, and then again in New York for the classic, tour, classic East, classic West tour. I'm a big Eagles fan. Ah, me
2: too.
0: Uh, oh. i too. I was literally there in the building uh, when they were recording the One of These Nights album, wow. and so uh, and got invited to the opening show at the Miami High Life Fronton and um occasionally got to go into a control room with their producer when he was mixing and nobody else was allowed in there. he gave me a set of 4311s wow yeah wow. Um, anyway the point of this is being glenn fry's son deacon who's now 24 25 mm-hmm. and getting the call hey deacon we're thinking about going out since your dad passed away wow. like a year and a half ago and we want you to be in the band And immediately, Deacon's knees had to be shaking. Because Don Henley has a reputation of being a perfectionist, and there's no doubt that he deserves to be a perfectionist. Um, And and they added Vince Gill to the band. But can you imagine being 24, 25 years old, and your first gig is Dodger Stadium, and you're standing next to Don Henley playing stuff that your dad did? Who's one of the greats of all time? It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, I can
2: tell you that... um friend told me back in the day he said um i think yeah, i think it was him um you what it, it, you know you know how they say what, what is it what's the saying uh, that uh it's luck and uh, pre- being prepared and right. luck, uh,
0: uh, success or yeah, whatever, whatever it is being right place right time or perspiration inspiration um but
2: it, you when you get the call, you can do all the prep work, you can make the networking, you can get the gear, you can practice, you can do all, all, all the work. When the when, to, to get ready for the call, when the call comes, you have to be ready. When you get the call to
1: go to Iraq and play with Smash Mouth, you have to When you get the call you have to be ready in any
2: business um because the chances that you get that call again sometimes that doesn't happen sometimes you get that one call it's just a stroke of luck you knew the right person met you the night before
0: do people ever get bounced from a tour just because you you somebody not you in particular somebody passes the audition everything works and they go out and they do a show or two, and the chemistry's not there. And on yeah, they, show number three, a week later, they get the call, and I don't really need you on this one.
2: Yeah, there, there is a lot of, um, th- there are there's so many things that go into play um, with getting the gig, keeping the gig, and getting laid off the gig or losing the gig. There's, there's just so many things. Personalities, playing performance. You could play great and have a great personality, but you know what? You just don't look right on stage. Right. Uh, there's, there's so many, and, and again, every band and every artist is completely different to what they want to what they're looking for.
0: And the tour bus. Um, the smelling uh, of uh, flatulence
1: and, and guy's socks on the bus. I mean, it's one thing uh, if you're going to a game and you get a... First- Tour buses, uh, for the most part, are um, very cold,
2: and therefore, and they're very well ventilated and very cold. And you, you I mean, everyone tries to stay on their best uh, as
0: far as um, it's not a dorm room. Yes, yes, you
2: you have to take it. You have to take into account that you are on, you, Your home for the next month and a half, or six six months, whatever is with. Uh, a bunch of other people, whether it be 3 people, whether it be 11 people, a uh, full bus is 12 usually, So. Um, you have to take into all that into account, but but no, neither of those things are ever a problem on a tour bus.
0: I hear about it all the time in the context of smaller bands. You know. Oh, on a van, uh, a van, a yeah, like, van yeah. is yeah. a completely different story. A van is a completely different story. A tour bus is very big. If you want
2: to have your flanchulence you can do that elsewhere. You don't have to sit right next to me and do it. And, uh, and it is very well ventilated, and the air circulation is pretty good on buses
0: i just watched something on the travel channel a couple weekends ago i got sucked into hours of of reruns of a show where they go out buying rvs Mm -hmm. i so badly want to buy one of these like 40 foot um, luxury rvs now in the worst (laughs) possible way my wife's like really you me the kids in an rv not so much um we still on the lightning round uh oh, uh, I can uh scariest travel experience. Um maybe, maybe you didn't have one, I don't know.
2: I haven't had one yet. I could imagine a plane things could happen on a plane that could be scary. I haven't had that and um yeah, can't say I've had one
0: yet. I had an engine, the right engine on a seven thirty seven go out one night. Wow. Uh everybody in the plane all went. <gasps> It turned to the right. All Everybody in unison, 158 wow. people. I went, oh, and the pilot came on very calmly and said this plane was designed to fly on one engine, not a problem. And he put it down in Houston. It was all good. Wow. Thank you, Mr. Pilot. Uh, best single performance for you personally. Like you walked off the stage and said that was the highlight uh, of my playing or something, whatever you said. To I'll
2: let you know when that happens.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, largest back. crowd you've ever played in front of
2: we did i think it was 70,000 people
1: wow
0: B-
2: believe it or not it, I, it, that wasn't an Enrique show it was it was a for the first show of an under the sun tour it was us and uh Sugar Ray, uh, us Smash Mouth Sugar Ray Gin Blossoms i and i forget who we shared the tour there were another tour two bands i think it was Fastball and might have been Vertical Horizon but it was a 90s thing and it was like i think it was it was a we, It was a, a, a holiday weekend, and we were starting
1: the tour, and outdoors. it was just yeah, outdoors. Uh, it depends on how much light, uh, how much light you have in your face, but uh, yeah. Uh,
0: absolutely. The question, just in case you got I don't know if it's blank, blanking out for just us or if it's you guys as well. But the question I asked on is, does he see much past the first few rows? And um, the answer
2: is absolutely. Uh, just, it does. Just a matter of how much light you have in your face.
0: <laughs> okay, um, and now the the timeline. Wow, I've got a lot of questions, um, and I mm-hmm. want to open it up I to quick, these guys. Yes. Uh, Almost like Michael is his therapist. <laughs> okay. You know what, though? They ha-
2: they have, I haven't seen anything regarding your question about uh, if it happens on their end as well. So maybe it's just on your screen. I hope so. Blank, so I um,
0: anyway, <laughs> somebody says he looks very sad. I don't know if they're talking about you or me. Probably me because I get very frustrated. This kind of technical stuff really happens when I have guests on the show. I once had a guy drive an hour and a half to be here. And we had to restart the show like six uh, times. It was just heartbreaking. It happens. Yeah.
2: When's the deadline on the circus music?
0: Oh, that's a taxi listing. Uh, okay, they talk gosh. about stuff other than the show. Um, okay. Okay, so, all right, describe a typical gig from the moment you walk out the door, kiss your wife goodbye, until you walk back in the door. Um, what are What's the progression of things that happens? I'll take a one-off.
2: Versus, instead of a tour yeah. uh, a one-off for those of you who might not know is when you're just going to do a show it might be down the street uh, in in Orange County or it might be in Romania or in Australia but the point is I get up in the morning uh, my wife my wife I, whenever the flight is I fly let's take Europe for example I fly to Europe we will usually fly in the day before the show so if there are any issues we're not missing the show. Um, Smart. Yes. Professional. Good, That's it, because things happen. Um, I'll, so I'll usually bathe the day before the show, usually afternoon and evening, uh, get some food with the guys, some some of the guys, and then uh, try and get some rest, try to get myself in a certain, uh, not, not jet lag, uh, if I can. And uh, next day, uh, we'll, we'll, that day we'll have a a Day sheet for next day. To tell us what the tell us and the rest of the crew and everyone what's going on. I'll look at when I need to be. So basically, the crew need to be there earlier. They do an amazing job. They work their asses off and they get everything ready for us. Um, like I said, work uh, their asses off. It's sometimes amazing how much they do in such little time. But uh, I'll wake up, go grab some food with some friends. We'll have a lobby call usually. For- um, we'll have a runner that picks us up uh, someone in a van usually that production sends to come pick us up in the hotel we go we sound check usually in the Enrique Iglesias gig everything is so it, the, the guys are all ready like everything is
0: well oiled, ready, you know.
2: ready to go they don't usually I don't even need us there so sound check is usually about five minutes wow. if there's catering up we'll go get catering while we're there <laughs> maybe after maybe before uh, go back to the hotel get ready for the show, come back about an hour and a half before the show, Um, do the show, and then either hang there or go back to the hotel, and then leave usually very early the next day.
0: So, when you go do the sound check, does the artist show up? uh, And I know it's got to be different from tour to tour. It's different
2: from tour to tour, from show to show, and from uh, band to band. Um, If we're doing something we haven't done in a while, chances are the artist will show up, even if they sometimes don't.
0: I had something about... cat. Oh, catastrophic events. Uh, and, and I'm not being facetious in asking this, I'm just absolutely uh, curious about it. If somebody were to have a really bad gastrointestinal issue... Has happened. Uh, not to
2: it, me, but I've, I've heard the stories from
0: my guys in, <laughs> in the band. Well, what do you do? Somebody, I mean, You can't stay on stage during the middle of that, right? Uh, um,
2: you do when you don't, Um, everyone's professional and you just handle the situation as it needs to be handled. Uh, Have there been situations
0: where somebody's absolutely had to walk off the stage in the the middle of a song? I guess they would wait till, try to do their best to hold on (laughs) until after Yeah, I
2: haven't, um, I haven't experienced that, I haven't experienced that. The closest thing that I could say that we had was we were in Australia. And uh, with Smash Mouth and the bass player got uh, food poisoning. And uh, they had a very, very big trash can on stage, all marked off on the side, just in case he needed to use it uh, mid-show. And he, um, he had to deal with some stuff before we got on stage and a minute after we got off stage. But during the show, it was fine.
0: Wow, the show must go on. <laughs> yeah, uh, something about
2: the
0: adrenaline, I guess. Yeah, uh, I have got a studio story, but I won't, <laughs> I won't say it in public. Um, is there a difference in audiences around the world culturally? Like some places, you know, like Great Britain, oh, very, very, like yeah, like yeah, this yeah. clapping and other. I, you know I like
2: won't mention. I will mention. Places just because sometimes fans get ins- fans get insulted. Oh, you think that we're all like that? No, no, no. It's not. It's, I'm just saying that's what we experienced there at that show. So I won't mention places, but I've had shows for sure that the it's a it's a crowd where you finish the song and they sit there and they just go <laughs> <laughs> after every song, and the exact opposite where fans go crazy and just can't stop jumping on stage. Whether it's wanted or not.
0: Uh, okay, uh, let's see. Uh, how many trucks are there? That was one of my questions. I should have asked a question or two ago. Uh, when you're doing, uh, you're out with somebody that's Enrique size, and you're doing uh, in, in inside the U.S. and you're on the road yeah. versus in the air. Uh, well, uh, how many trucks does it take to move a production that big? Uh, and I'll how tell many you. People? I'll tell you the numbers that I know from. The gig that we
2: just did, the the tour that we just did was Enrique Iglesias and Pitbull and uh, we had if I'm not mistaken, it was 15 trailers Wow! Uh, We carried everything so I mean everything was there. You just come into a blank canvas canvas and put everything up. Um, and uh, it was, if I'm not mistaken, 10 buses there were roughly 102, I think it was 102 people on the road for the whole time, and then everywhere we went, production had brought in 60 to 100 extra stagehands everywhere, just muscle, because (laughs) someone... And take it. Put put all this stuff up. Uh, put put it up and take it down. And
0: don't they worry about like microphones getting jacked and stuff like that when they're bringing in uh, people who aren't with the company on a regular that's basis? A good question. I don't know. They must have an extra stash. There's yeah. so,
2: there's so many. Oh well, there's extra everything. I, that's that's live for you. Redundance. Even when I was in yeah. Israel, it's you have everything. Everything, uh, you always have everything backed up.
0: Bill Cosby once asked me, I showed up to record a voiceover for a Jell-O commercial with him while he was doing a photo shoot, and I brought two Nakamichi cassette decks and like an 87 to plug into each one of them. He said, why do you have two? And I said, redundancy. Uh, I'm a professional. He said, if you were a professional, you wouldn't need to. And I just went like, Bill, get over yourself, dude. <laughs> no, no, no. What are you talking about? Yeah, I thought that was... This, a... is, this is tech. Things happen. Right, exactly. I have
2: spare guitars for each one of the guitars that I have on the road and we're always ready just in case I break a string or something happens and the the, the professional is ready for that to happen. Yeah. That's the difference.
0: Okay, so what happens if somebody, God forbid, uh, in the band has an appendicitis or some sort of, you know, really severe physical something that goes on, and, and they can't make the gig. Do you guys have, like, a multi-instrumentalist? How, how long
2: do they know before the show? If, they, if there's enough time, someone will come in and, and sub for them. Um,
0: it's definitely... <laughs> that's got to be scary. Hey, what are
2: you doing today? Yeah, more or less. <laughs> uh, or, I mean, I, that, that's basically been my only experience. I'm assuming... I mean, the show always must go on.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, uh, just from a financial perspective, not to mention yeah. letting down the fans and stuff, uh, you know, but what happens if, if like, the drummer, uh, you know... They would fly in a drummer. What if they don't have time? What if it happens an hour and 25 minutes before hasn't the happened show? It not yet. Okay, well, I'll keep my fingers crossed. Yes, yeah,
2: absolutely. Um,
0: most embarrassing moment on stage? Um... I, I probably d- should have I prepped it for that. One. Know, no, I
2: don't know if there is w- one that I can really single out as most embarrassing.
0: Can't. Uh, when you're getting near the end of a set, do you have a sense of uh, pending disappointment because it's over and you're going home? Or is it excitement like, well, we made it successfully through another show? What's the emotional yeah, vibe? Yeah, I, I, a certain amount of relief like,
2: we went on there, we did, you know, we, we came for a reason there was a goal and we are two songs before that goal it has been done well the crowd looks like they had a great time and great everyone's doing great and actually the last few songs of the set are usually the most fun we run around on stage a lot and so it's it's, it's a matter of relief also mentally and and knowing that okay it's past us we did great and um, and then physically you're no longer like okay. I just have to stand here because the light is going to be here, and it's a specific cue. Like that's what's supposed to happen. Um, these the last few songs were just running around and just doing our thing. So it's physically also very liberating.
0: That's got to be fun. I like that word liberating. It's yeah. good for it. Um, I'm going to open it up to questions from you guys because we've got like 10 more
1: minutes to go. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to take one more off my list, which is very extensive. How do you
0: get over the jet lag and get yourself back in the headspace of doing whatever businessy stuff or musical stuff in the studio? Um, Yeah, you you might get a call to work on an album. How how do you else? Would veg? How do you not veg? I'm sorry. Where? Uh, When you get back from a, you know, you fly to Iraq, you do the gig, you get home. You're wiped. Anybody goes on a vacation knows that you know transcontinental jet lag uh, is a killer, and, but you may have a situation where you've got to be on it the next morning. Yeah, six yeah, hours yeah later. which is
2: usually the situation. Um, I, there is no time, and I, with no coffee. I, yeah, right. As an entrepreneur, as a, as a businessman. Yeah, I don't have time for that. I, if I did my job correctly, I don't have time to rest. I was recording in my studio for I was re, I'm, I'm producing an EP for uh, an artist from Texas, uh, and I was recording till the minute from seven o'clock in the morning today till the minute I uh, left, left to come, to come here. here. Wow! And that's what I'm going to be doing later as well. Um, my wife gets first dibs though if my, if my wife wants to spend the evening together she will she will get first dibs
0: <laughs> and so she should uh, question from Ken De Potter lighting lightning round question have you ever crowd surfed no I haven't. <laughs> um, do you wear a robe uh, I don't know if that question was for you uh, <laughs> well I do at home yeah. <laughs> I don't have a I'm surprised they didn't ask about boxers or briefs um, I don't have a spare classical. Uh, no, again. How much okay.
2: does a person of your caliber get paid to do shows, tours, etc.? Do you negotiate your fee oh. or do you have a manager? I personally don't have a manager. I negotiate my fee and uh, every gig is different and I don't feel comfortable answering that question uh, in this form. But catch me one-on-one, maybe we can have that conversation. Um,
0: in a general sense, not about you necessarily, or specifically, is it safe to say that somebody is playing with major talent, doing big gigs and touring a lot, it's a real income? No, not necessarily. Okay, interesting to know. So you need to have more legs on the Absolutely. table. Absolutely. Okay. I'll
2: always, even when I'm earning, not to give away what I'm not making, but when I'm earning $10,000, I'm still going to be looking... To have multiple things go on, I'm not. Yeah, it's never,
0: it's never enough. That's you, I can tell. Well, a, it's not just job. the
2: business part. It's the point is that great. So I have a gig. Maybe I'm getting. I mean, I'm not. I'm not getting ten thousand. Let's say that that's that was the number that I'm shooting for, and I get. I, I negotiated, and I get it. I could lose the gig a week from then. I can't. You always have to be hustling as a musician, as a businessman. You always have to have contingency plans, right. and yeah, that's... You can't be counting on one income, as a mu- especially as a musician. What else we got? Uh,
0: people complaining about the buffering, which yeah, you know, it, it's just been horrible this week. Yeah. I'm so sorry, you guys. I'm sh- sorry to Sean as well. Um, let's see, I still got a page.
2: Can't imagine flying with my guitars. Not as scary as you think. That's what insurance is for. Industry standard? There is no industry standard. Uh, there, there really isn't. And,
0: and as your own manager, negotiating the deals, it's not like they just say, "This is how much we're paying, and take it or leave it." Uh, I mean,
2: look, look uh, uh, that that's a negotiating tactic. If someone wants to come to me and say that, they can, and I will take it or leave it.
0: Wow. uh... are you a member of the AF of M?
2: Um, I used to be. I am no longer, but I still deal with them on different occasions.
0: Okay, uh, let's see. How do you stay current in various genres? Because you've got to be multi-genre. Um, you could get a call to do a one-off show to fill in for somebody next week, and if it's in a genre that you don't normally do, can you tackle that genre because you're a pro? And just say, no problem, I'll just learn the song. Listen,
2: I, I'm a pro in my genres. If someone hit me up and told me they need me for a jazz gig, it's happened. I say, you know what, that's just not my strong suit. Here are, uh, Here's the name of a guy that I think would do great for you. And if he's not available, give me a call. I'll get you someone else.
0: And that would probably come back to you in the same form reciprocally yeah, yeah, down yeah, the road. I mean, you know? Not, not that you're happy. doing it for that. But... No, if
2: people hooked me up, I hook people up. That's the way it is. And and but but the more important thing is if I can't do a good job I'm not going to do it.
0: Right. That's that's. That'll the, come that's, back to haunt yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. And you wouldn't feel good about it. Um. Any other questions? Before well, there's I... what kind of guitar do you play? Ah. Uh, the answer to that I
2: get that a lot and it's whatever the gig needs. So if uh, if I need to be playing Les Paul I'm going to be playing Les Paul uh, specifically with Enrique, with Smash Mouth I played a lot of tellies. with uh, Enrique I play mainly a um a strat style but 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 the the um company that i use is called shabbat guitars s-h-a-b-a-t and just check them out shabbatguitars.com um, it's a luthier here in uh here in l.a that does incredible work just just amazing work i i mean i've had guitars of his that have disappeared a smash mouth we're on tour Without details, they got. Uh, they were on a plane, we went to France, we came back, my guitars were gone for three weeks. That's a story in itself. Wow. Uh, when I got them back, they were still tuned. <laughs> Amazing. Like, the guitars are just <laughs> impeccable. Tuned
0: at the factory and stay that way for life.
2: Yeah. <laughs> just ama- like, they're just, uh, you know, one thing you have to have as a guitarist is you have to have, well, not as a guitarist, as a professional, you have to have dependable gear. Um, and that is why I use Shabbat guitars and uh, Maite guitars and for for acoustics and Merida guitars for for nylon. Uh, you can find all that stuff on on my website. But basically, I use stuff because it's good and because it's dependable. And as a professional, I need to get on stage and I need to be able to do my job. And if my gear is not letting me do that, then it's it's out.
0: And do you bring a backup guitar for every circumstance? They
2: bring backups
0: for me. Oh, okay.
2: Yes. When I say they. The production hires, they rent local guitars as backups
0: for us. So it's really like, you know, it's funny. It's like a road company of a Broadway play, except that you're, you know, they go somewhere and set up for a week or for a month. You guys are setting up for a day.
2: A day, yeah. And again, it's not, our art is, is, our job is not hard. The the crew and the production, uh, yeah. Listen, I, I used to be, I used to be a sound engineer. I used to be a stage tech. I loved that job, loved it. And I know how hard it is, and I, I mean I appreciate everyone that does it for us. Everyone, video, pyro, audio, lighting, everything. It's. Uh, that has got
0: to make the guys appreciate you, the, knowing that you did that gig. Some of them know it, some
2: of them don't. I hope they know that, and I hope they know I appreciate it.
0: Um, do they supply instruments for us to use at the open mics at the road rally? Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, we have at least a guitar and a keyboard on every stage. And last year we had three open mic stages. This year, I believe we're going to have two open mic stages. Um, what else we uh, got? I'm
2: not sure if we missed a few.
0: I feel bad for the guys watching on YouTube. <laughs> Seeing these faces <laughs> come in to read this stuff. Um, let's see. Any more questions before we wrap this up? Because we're... Approaching the 5.30. Will well, Sean be, at, be at the road, road rally. rally?
2: That's a good question. We, I, I asked ask you, uh,
0: it's November 2nd through the 5th, and yes, I would love to have you be there. I did ask you the other night. in um, I text.
2: And I would love to be there. I do believe that I will be just at the end of a tour and possibly going, I don't want to say in advance where we might be going because that sometimes is a problem, so we, we, we might be. I might be on the road.
0: All right, but if he's not, he will be there um, assuming the plan, yeah. that he's not home for like two days he's got to spend some time with his wife Yes, yes. Um, and, uh, but if he can come I think people would love to have you there because we do um, it, it's a big deal event it's between 2,000 and 2,500 people yeah. it's three and a half days and you would be great for one on ones where you sit down somebody that wants oh, to meet that. you when they grow thing. up and, and they sit down and go how'd you do it you know yeah. here's
2: the record um you can also just hit me up. Just get on my website, seanherwitz.com or seanhmusic.com. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Twitter on all the social medias. On my website, I'm sorry, I'm looking at my website right now. There is a, there is a, there are logos on the top, and one of them is a uh, an envelope. You can email me with questions if you want regarding gear, regarding regarding business, regarding anything. I'm happy
0: about the fish it, it's a kagadol no <laughs> we
2: are not <laughs> That
0: is,
2: it is that's, that's an inside that's
0: a inside joke
2: um where's the yeah. next tour and with whom my next uh, i have one-offs going on but the next tour is with enrique iglesias and pitbull america and canada all the dates are on my website um you just go up um, and you can find it but yeah it's it's in the fall
0: which do me a favor, um, uh, thank Pitbull for me for doing the Taxi song, because that
1: that actually got us a lot of hits on our website the day after he played it. In, In what gig, who asked that? Um, uh,
0: Ship 10, uh, do you pick your amps, or do they tell you what to use? I, I would imagine, like, on, on a... With Enrique, um,
2: we don't use amps, so easy, easy question. We, we use uh, AX8 by Fractal.
1: Which um, is... A, uh, uh, it's
2: just a, a pedal board. Uh, wow! A very, very expensive and and good pedal board.
0: So that's interesting. No amps, never yeah. crossed my mind. All, all
2: our guitars go through there. Uh, so I mean, the nylon string, the steel string, and uh, and the electrics.
0: And it sounds great. They wouldn't be using. We work.
2: We work very hard in getting them to sound great. Yeah, I mean, we tweak them, make sure that they sound perfect. Um. Is that a question?
0: So <laughs> we're, you are were lighting like these things. This one. So yeah. you're uh, like a two feet from stardom uh, instrumentalist. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, there, there's a thing about the ladies who sang background for many big acts.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one of them is Judith Hill, I think. Which I, played I haven't with. seen it. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. Who knows?
0: All right. Yes. Well, axe,
2: axe effects. Yes, correct. Not fractal. You're right. So someone mentioned that. um, I mentioned that I use an AX8 by Fractal. They they go by Axe is what they're called.
0: This is what I love about our audience. They know so much. Um, Okay, with that, let's wrap it up because we're now a minute over and I like to be kind of professional about that. Um, Thank you so much for doing this, Sean. Thank you for Uh, having me. Oh man, Thank you for my pleasure. It. I'm so sorry about all the blackout stuff today. It's, it's rare that it happens on this end, and uh, frankly, the only way to get rid of it probably would be restarting the computer and the whole show. So, with that, I will see you guys next week. Uh, next week is Richard Dance. Um, don't forget the Road Rally November 2nd through the 5th here in Los Angeles, and that's it. Uh, hopefully, we'll see Sean at the Road Rally. See you guys. Bye, you guys i